Guy Mannering or the Astrologer by Sir Walter Scott, Volume Two, Chapter Twenty Nine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Volume Two, Chapter Twenty Nine. To Sum the Whole, the Close of All. Dean Swift. As Glossin died without heirs and without payment of the price, the estate of Ellen Gowan was again thrown upon the hands of Mr. Godfrey Bertram's creditors, the right of most of whom was, however, defeasible in case Henry Bertram should establish his character of heir of entail. This young gentleman put his affairs into the hands of Mr. Playdell and Mr. Macmorlan, with one single proviso, that, though he himself should be obliged again to go to India, every debt justly and honourably due by his father should be made good to the claimant. Mannering, who heard this declaration, grasped him kindly by the hand, and from that moment might be dated a thorough understanding between them. The hordes of Miss Margaret Bertram and the liberal assistance of the Colonel easily enabled the heir to make provision for payment of the just creditors of his father, while the ingenuity and research of his law friends detected, especially in the accounts of Glossin, so many overcharges as greatly diminished the total amount. In these circumstances, the creditors did not hesitate to recognise Bertram's right, and to surrender to him the house and property of his ancestors. All the party repaired from Woodbourne to take possession amid the shouts of the tenantry and the neighbourhood, and so eager was Colonel Mannering to superintend certain improvements which he had recommended to Bertram, that he removed with his family from Woodbourne to Ellangowan, although at present containing much less and much inferior accommodation. The poor Dominie's brain was almost turned with joy on returning to his old habitation. He posted upstairs, taking three steps at once, to a little shabby attic, his cell and dormitory in former days, and which the possession of his much superior apartment at Woodbourne had never banished from his memory. Here one sad thought suddenly struck the honest man, the books. No three rooms in Ellangowan were capable to contain them. While this qualifying reflection was passing through his mind, he was suddenly summoned by Mannering to assist in calculating some proportions relating to a large and splendid house which was to be built on the site of the new place of Ellangowan, in a style corresponding to the magnificence of the ruins in its vicinity. Among the various rooms in the plan, the Domini observed that one of the largest was entitled The Library, and close beside was a snug, well-proportioned chamber entitled Mr. Sampson's Apartment. Prodigious, 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 shouted the enraptured Domini. Mr. Playdell had left the party for some time, but he returned, according to promise, during the Christmas recess of the courts. He drove up to Ellangowan when all the family were abroad but the Colonel, who was busy with plans of buildings and pleasure grounds, in which he was well skilled and took great delight. Aha, said the Councillor. So here you are. Where are the ladies? Where is the fair Julia? Walking out with young Hazelwood, Bertram, and Captain Delasere, a friend of his who is with us just now. They are gone to plan out a cottage at Dernclue. Well, have you carried through your law business? With a wet finger, answered the lawyer. Got our youngster's special service retoured into chancery. We had him served heir before the Macers. Macers? Who are they? Why, it's a kind of judicial saturnalia. You must know that one of the requisites to be a Macer, or officer in attendance upon our Supreme Court, is that they shall be men of no knowledge. Very well. Now, our Scottish legislature, for the joke's sake, I suppose, have constituted those men of no knowledge into a peculiar court for trying questions of relationship and descent, 
such as this business of Bertram, which often involve the most nice and complicated questions of evidence. The devil they have. I should think that rather inconvenient, said Mannering. Oh, we have a practical remedy for the theoretical absurdity. One or two of the judges act upon such occasions as prompters and assessors to their own doorkeepers. But you must know what Cugesius says. Multa sunt in moribus dissentania, multa sine rationi. Footnote. The singular inconsistency hinted at is now, in a great degree, removed. However, this Saturnalian court has done our business, and a glorious batch of claret we had afterwards at Walker's. Macmorlan will stare when he sees the bill. Never fear, said the colonel. We'll face the shock, and entertain the county at my friend Mrs. McCandlish's to boot. And choose Jock Jabus for your master of horse, replied the lawyer. Perhaps I may. And where is Dandy, the redoubted Lord of Liddersdale? demanded the advocate. Returned to his mountains, but he has promised Julia to make a descent in summer with the good wife, as he calls her, and I don't know how many children. Oh, the curly-headed varlets! I must come to play at blind Harry and high spy with them. But what's all this? added Playdell, taking up the plans. Tower in the centre to be an imitation of the Eagle Tower at Carnarvon? Corpse to Logis? The devil! Wings! Wings! Why, the house will take the estate of Ellangowan on its back and fly away with it. Why, then, we must ballast it with a few bags of sicker rupees, replied the colonel. Aha! Sits the wind there. Then I suppose the young dog carries off my mistress Julia. Even so, counsellor. These rascals, the post-natey, get the better of us of the old school at every turn, said Playdell. But she must convey and make over her interest in me to Lucy. To tell you the truth, I'm afraid your flank will be turned there too, replied the colonel. Indeed? Here has been Sir Robert Hazelwood, said Mannering, upon a visit to Bertram, thinking and deeming and opining. Oh, Lord, pray spare me the worthy baronet's triads. Well, sir, continued Mannering, to make short, he conceived that, as the property of Singleside lay like a wedge between two farms of his, and was four or five miles separated from Ellangowan, something like a sale or exchange or arrangement might take place to the mutual convenience of both parties. Well, and Bertram? Why, Bertram replied that he considered the original settlement of Mrs. Margaret Bertram as the arrangement most proper in the circumstances of the family, and that therefore the estate of Singleside was the property of his sister. The rascal, said Playdell, wiping his spectacles. He'll steal my heart as well as my mistress. Et puis? And then Sir Robert retired, after many gracious speeches, but last week he again took the field in force, with his coach and six horses, his laced scarlet waistcoat and best bob wig, all very grand, as the good boy books say. Aye, and what was those overture? Why, he talked with great form of an attachment on the part of Charles Hazelwood to Miss Bertram. Oh, aye, aye. He respected the little god Cupid when he saw him perched on the dun of Singleside, and his poor Lucy to keep house with that old fool and his wife, who's just the knight himself in petticoats. No, we parried that. Singleside House is to be repaired for the young people, and to be called hereafter Mount Hazelwood. And do you yourself, Colonel, propose to continue at Woodbourne? Only till we carry these plans into effect. See. Si. Here's the plan of my bungalow, with all convenience for being separate and sulky when I please. 
and being situated as i see next door to the old castle you may repair donagild's tower for the nocturnal contemplation of the celestial bodies bravo colonel no no my dear counsellor end of volume two chapter twenty nine end of guy mannering or the astrologer by sir walter scott